This reading is um, taken from 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 and is on page 1186 of your church Bibles. And it's about Paul's ministry in Thessalonica. You know, brothers, that our visit to, to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God, displease God and are hostile to all men in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Richard. Um, good morning. Welcome, all souls. Um, thank you, Richard, for inviting me. It's always interesting, I think, when um, a vicar invites you to preach at their church. Uh, first thing I always think you should do if you ever find yourself in a situation is before you say yes, have a real good look at the passage that you're supposed to preach from. And it did make me laugh that when you got to the end of this passage, the final verse was all about, and the wrath of God is laid upon them. 
And I thought, well, that's why he's obviously invited me to preach, because he didn't want, obviously, to talk to you about the wrath of God this morning, so he asked someone else to come and do it. <laughs> Thank you, sir, um, for giving me this. Um, but let me um, bring you greetings from St. Paul's Hounslow West, um, where Claire Clark um, is, is recently our vicar. Um, she brings you greetings, the whole parish there brings you greetings as well, and it's a real privilege actually to be among you here um, at All Souls. So thank you for having me, and thank you for the warm welcome I got when I first came here. I understand from Richard that you've just about stopped mocking him for his Madonna-like microphone sort of headset thing that um, I've now been asked to wear. This obviously shows a generational divide between me and him. I always knew these things as Britney Spears microphones. Um, so you can feel equally free to mock me for, for wearing this. I'll try not to be too self-conscious. We live in a world, don't we, um, absolutely saturated by human language and by words. We're a very wordy species, aren't we, um, as human beings? According to one piece of research, the average Londoner is exposed to over 3,500 marketing messages a day. Think of all that information, all those words, all those messages that we have to receive just by going about our business. According to another piece of research, by the time we reach five years old, on average, we can speak about 2,000 words and we can comprehend about 20,000 words. By the time we become an adult, we can speak between 20,000 and 30,000 words. So it seems to me that actually part of who we are as human beings, part of how God has made us, is to actually be a very wordy sort of creature. When Donald J. Trump chooses to tweet about his visit or not to the UK, or whether he has a bigger nuclear button than the leader of North Korea, it matters. It matters not just because he's the President of the United States, but it matters because people pay attention to the words that we say particularly on social media, particularly in the current context where what we say can be recorded forever and witnessed by millions of people around the world, actually what we say really, really matters. We used to sort of be in a sort of context where I actually thought, well, it's more our deeds that we need to look at rather than our words, whereas actually I think in today's culture it's not quite the same. Actually what we say, because it's often so public and so written and therefore so permanent, I think that actually what we say really matters. And I think what we can infer from some of these sort of stats that I've given you this morning is that actually our ability to speak and to comprehend speech is an integral part of who we are in God, an integral part of all of our humanity. It's a central part of our cultural context. It defines who we are. It certainly seems to define Donald Trump's presidency. We tend to pay more attention to what he tweets than actually any of his policies and what he's trying to do. And therefore, I think if actually what we say is so integral to who we are and actually the presence that we have on this earth, then that tells me that perhaps the speech we have in our day-to-day -day lives and the words we choose to say to ourselves, our self-talk, if you will, and the words we choose to share with others, be it in the office, be it in the school, um, be it wherever we might find ourselves Monday to Saturday, really matters. And as I was looking at chapter 2 in 1 Thessalonians, um, as well as looking at the bit about God's wrath at the end, I also noticed a few other things in this passage. And for me, a key theme that came out of this, which is what I really wanted to share with you for a few minutes this morning, is this. Our ability to speak is a free gift of God to all of us. It is something he's given us all when he created us, brought us into existence. So I want to give you an encouragement and also a challenge to use our God-given gift of speech as well as we can at the start of this new year. Because I think we'll find when we use our speech and our words and our language well, 
it doesn't just benefit us, it benefits those around us, whatever our context might be. And I don't know if you picked up, as you're listening to that passage, just how many times Paul talks about speaking. He uses a number of different words for it, but throughout the passage we had this morning, he uses a lot of language about speaking. If I can just bring your attention, if you have Bibles in front of you, great. If not, then then just listen to me talk you through it. Verse 2. But with the help of God, we dared to what? We dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. Paul doesn't say we dared to write down the gospel and give it to you on a bit of paper. We didn't dare to put together a PowerPoint presentation and to show you lots of fancy visuals. We dared to tell you it. That the gospel of God was something which was first spoken to people. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because we tend to think of the word of God as simply the written word of God, the Bible. Which, of course, I believe is true. But actually, in the first context, and perhaps also true today, is that the word of God is something which is spoken out. It's an audible thing, a living thing, as well as something which is preserved for us in Scripture. If you look at verse 4, on the contrary, Paul says, we speak as men, men and women, people approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We speak as people approved by God. If you go down to verse 9, surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order to not be a burden to anyone while we what? While we preached the gospel to you. Now, the word preach simply means proclaim. It means herald. It means speak out. It means declare. It's a very wordy thing. So what I infer from this is actually that to receive the gospel is to hear the gospel, to have it spoken into our lives. You go to verse 12. What did they do? They encouraged, comforted, and urged people to live lives worthy of God. Again, a very speaky thing to do, a very language-based ministry that Paul had. And then this whole sort of concept of actually speaking the gospel, speaking God's good news into the lives of people, reach its crescendo in verse 13. And this is the verse which is one of those verses which I think you read it and you think, oh, that sounds great. And then you read it again and think, okay, there's something really weighty and meaty here I perhaps need to sit up and listen to. If you read what it says in verse 13, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, again, another audible thing, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. It's worth maybe reading that again. And, when we, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. So if last week, in terms of thinking about relevant faith, was about having a good mindset, and I did go onto the website and listen to what Richard had to say, I thought it would be a good, good sort of prep for going in. Um, he talked a lot about gratitude and about having the right mindset. So if last week was really about thinking well and about having that attitude of, of sort of being grateful for God's gift in Jesus, then I think today's basic message is about speaking well. So if last week was thinking well, I think today's message is about speaking well and taking that encouragement, but also challenge seriously, that when we try and speak well, ultimately, we don't speak our words, we can speak the very words of God into the lives of those around us. And that's really what I just want to try and encourage you with, and also slightly challenge me and you with, about what that might look like. Because if we take verse 13 seriously, verse 13 seriously, then actually when we speak to one another, if we do it under God with his help, 
actually God can speak through us and our human words can become the very words of God. Which for me is quite an inspiring and quite an encouraging and a challenging thing. Because we all have the gift of human speech. God has given it to all of us, one another of us. And it's something we use every day. But actually to maybe reframe it, to reconceptualize it, that actually I have the opportunity to speak some of God's good news, some of God's encouragement to the people that I work with, to the people um, in my family and to my friends. That's something I think to maybe sit up and to be encouraged by. Sometimes we get caught into a mindset, there's so many problems in the world, there's so many difficulties in my life that I just don't know what to do. And if that's true of you, then be encouraged. Perhaps you don't need to do anything. Perhaps you just need to say something and think of the right thing to say. Because through God, it could be just the piece of encouragement or challenge or urging that someone might need. So what I just want to encourage you with over these next few minutes is to unpack some of these verses, these very wordy, language-based verses, and to think about how can we this week, this month, this year, be encouraged to speak the very words of God as he has given them to us. If I can turn your attention back to verse 2, it says there, we dared to tell you, we dared to tell you the gospel. So this makes me think that actually good speaking, speaking well, godly speech, firstly looks like speaking the courageous thing. And I wonder what the courageous thing for you might be this morning. What act of courage do you need to speak into someone's, someone else's life? Is there someone in your life who you see really needs some encouragement, but for whatever reason, no one is quite brave enough to give them that nudge? Is there someone in your life that you can see who really needs that word of forgiveness, but because of past challenges, no one is quite brave enough to speak that word of forgiveness into their life? Do you dare to maybe, do you need, maybe need to dare to have a bit more encouraging self-talk? And it's often the talk we tell ourselves that can often get us down and really sort of hold us back in life, isn't it? So maybe you need to have that courageous word to yourself to finally accept that you're a flawed human being, to finally accept that God really loves you despite of all the things you may have done or said in the past, to finally accept that actually whatever is ahead of you this week or this month or this year, that God goes with you. And he continually wants to say to you, I love you no matter what. And I want to walk with you no matter what. Because in Jesus, the word of God, I go with you in everything. Maybe that is the courageous word. Perhaps you want to speak to yourself or others. If I bring your attention to verse 4, it says, we spoke with God's approval. Which in one sense, what I think Paul is getting at here is Paul, when he preached initially, I spoke with right motive. You'll see elsewhere in, in the passage, Paul goes to great lengths to say, I didn't speak so that I got men's praise and I got people's praise. I didn't speak with flattery. I wasn't speaking to you to try and get some attention to myself. I spoke with right motive so that you could hear the good news of God in Jesus Christ. And so for me, the challenge there, I think, is do our words, do what we say to our colleagues, our friends, our family members, do we have integrity? And that's one of the challenges, I think, isn't it? To speak with integrity for our inner life of emotions and thoughts to be perfectly congruent with the words that come out of our mouth. And we certainly live in a culture, don't we, where there's an awful lot of incongruence. And when people get found out for speaking one thing but doing another, you can see the protest that goes up, particularly if it's people in office. So if it's our politicians, if it's our leaders, if it's business leaders, if it's church leaders, that really seems to hurt us when the words that people say but then the lives that they lead don't match up. And I think that's one way that we can speak some of God's truth 
into people's lives and into our own lives is just to try and make sure it matches <laughs> and that we're honest with ourselves and honest with each other. Um, on Friday night, I watched a film on Netflix. I don't know how many of you are Netflix fans. It's amazing. They seem to be a, an industry in of themselves. I watched a Netflix original film called The Circle, uh, which um, has Tom Hanks in um, and Emma Watson. It's a great film. It's a film basically about um, the antisocial side of social media. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know if you're a social media fan. Um, I know Richard likes his Twitter feed and his Facebook status updates. I'm sure some of you do too. But what this film was basically looking at was actually, whilst in one sense, social media can be great for connecting us. It can be a great language tool, if you like, for connecting us with people who maybe live on the other side of the world, who maybe we're too busy to see sort of day to day in a physical sense, but we can keep up to date with people's lives and connect in with each other as well. But of course, there is a dark side, isn't there, to social media? Because actually, and that's partly what the film taps into, is it can encourage us to present a really false version of ourselves. And we actually know through quite a lot of recent research that it can be really quite unhelpful for our mental well-being, for our mental health, if we get too sucked into this world where people are actually presenting a false version of themselves rather than a true version of themselves. Because actually we then get into that um, sort of self-defeating talk of, I wish I had that person's life. Well, it's not actually their life, is it? It's partly what they're wanting to tell you their life is like. So when it's used well, I think it can be a beautiful thing and a wonderful thing, it connects people. But I think in our contemporary context, when we're thinking about speaking good words to each other and godly words to each other, it might be wise just to have a bit of a health check that is what I'm saying to people online the same as what I would say face to face. Is there integrity there? Or am I encouraging some of this, let's present a perfect version of self, which actually makes all of us feel worse about ourselves and our self-talk then eats away. If we go to verse 9, it says there, we preached the gospel of God. Now, I'm sure you will know, as I said earlier on, that preached simply means proclaim. Gospel simply means good news. So what Paul is saying is, I spoke the good news of God into your life. And I wonder what good news might sound like for you today. What good news do you need to hear? What good news do your family members need to hear? What piece of good news do your children need to hear? Do your parents need to hear? What good news does your boss at work need to hear? What piece of good news does your vicar need to hear? What does the stranger on the street need to hear? And of course, in a macro sense, the good news that Paul is talking about here is salvation in Jesus Christ, that we can have a right relationship with God through what Jesus has done, through his death and resurrection, which means that we can live and speak as God intended us to. That's the macro good news. But within that, there's all sorts of micro bits of good news, such as whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you become, God loves you nonetheless. That however lonely you might feel, you have a family in the church. That actually however challenging life becomes, God still wants to say to you, I love you and I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So within the macro good news, the story of Jesus that we can all live with and talk about to our friends and colleagues, there's also all these other micro bits of good news that perhaps we need to hear. And isn't it interesting? I wonder whether the way that God speaks to us today is actually through you and through me. So when we look at the Bible and we look at some of the amazing stories, we do see God turning up in very sort of dramatic ways, don't we? If you look at some of the Old Testament stories, 
And you sort of have pillars of cloud and pillars of fire and speaking from a burning bush and all these other sorts of stories some of you will be familiar with. When you get to the New Testament, you have the word of God, Jesus Christ, literally walking about talking to people and accepting people and offering forgiveness to people. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel, wouldn't it be great if we had a few more sort of pillars of clouds and fire around the place? That would sort of get our attention. That would help me live my faith if there was a bit more obvious sort of sign right in front of me. Whereas actually, I think part of the encouragement of this passage in 1 Thessalonians is that the good news of God is something which is spoken, but it's spoken through human beings. Paul spoke it to the early church. The early church spoke it to those around them. And we've been speaking this good news ever since. And so I think one way, perhaps, where the good news is proclaimed into your life is through the people that are sitting around you this morning. And I wonder whether what some of what God is wanting to say to you is whatever message he's planted in the person to your left, to your right, in front of you, behind you, in your homes, in your schools, in your workplace. I find that immensely encouraging. If I think, what good news can I hear from God? Well, maybe I should sit up and listen to the people that he's put in my life once in a while. Perhaps there's a reason why I'm working with these people, why I'm in family with these people, why these people are my friends. And so, therefore, we come to verse 12, encouraging, comforting, urging. Those are lovely things, I think, aren't they? Things that we all need once in a while, a bit of encouragement, a bit of comfort, a bit of urging. So I wonder if I can just encourage you, just as you think this passage through, I wonder if you can just think mentally, and don't need to speak it out, who in your life do you think needs a word of encouragement? Who in your life do you think really needs to receive a word of encouragement? And could it be that through you, that word of encouragement is exactly what God wants to say to them this week? Who in your life do you think needs a word of comfort? Who do you think is in a difficult spot, a difficult place, and really just needs to receive that word of comfort from God? And perhaps that message could be delivered through you to be that word of comfort. Who in your life do you think really needs a bit of a nudge? A bit of an urge, a bit of a kind of, come on, you can do this. I want to encourage you. Who do you think needs some urging and some encouragement? Because I don't know about you, but my observation in terms of being involved in training and development for about 12 years now is that I'm continually amazed at how little self-confidence the average human being has. Despite all the gifts that we've been given, despite all the abilities and the talents that we have, how easy it is for our self-talk to really hold us back. I see it time and time again. Doesn't matter what level of seniority you are in any organization, doesn't matter in your family circumstances, doesn't matter whether you're part of a big family or a small family, the thing I see time and time again when I'm coaching and training people is sometimes a crushing lack of self-confidence. And I think a lot of this comes down to actually our self-talk and the lack of encouragement and the lack of comfort and the lack of urging we get from ourselves and from people around us. So I just wonder that as you kick off this year, whether you can decide to be someone who encourages, comforts, and urges those around you. Because if we're all doing it, then we're receiving as much in return as we are giving out. And perhaps that is part of God's good news for you this 2018, that we can encourage, comfort, and urge people. Because then it comes to the real nub of this passage, which I'm just so grateful that verse 13 was in here. I wasn't so grateful verse 16 was in here. You can see I haven't majored on the wrath too much. I'm really grateful verse 13 was here. 
You accepted our words, not as human words, but as the words they are, the words of God, which is at work in you who believe. I think it's going to take me a lifetime to really let that passage sink in. That when we speak, when we speak faithfully as God intended, when we speak, when we dare to speak the courageous word, when we speak with God's approval with right motive, when we proclaim good news on each other, when we encourage, comfort, and urge one another, everything that Paul is talking about in this passage, that by the grace of God, he turns our human words into the very words of God. That's quite something, isn't it? The very words of God, which is at work in you who believe. So God uses our words to say what he needs to say. He uses our gift of speech, all he's given us, to bless and encourage others. So where and how is God speaking to us today? Well, he's speaking through you. He's speaking through me. He's speaking through Richard Gilbicker. He's speaking through the team here. He's speaking through Rachel. He's speaking through John. He's speaking through all of us to one another. That through our human words, God speaks his message to each other. There is so much more we could go further. I mean, this is just one passage where we talked about actually how our human words become God's words. But actually, if I can just leave you with two brief passages to think about and to maybe read this week if you have time, if you've got the inclination. You want to really get into this wordy stuff of faith. I would go to Genesis 1 and I would go to John 1. In Genesis 1, when God creates existence, what does he do? He speaks it out. He speaks creation into existence. And one of the first things he gives to us as human beings to do is to name all the animals on the earth. He gives us a very wordy mandate. So if God's words bring life, maybe our words should bring life too. If God's words speak identity into us as human beings, perhaps our words should help affirm one another's identity to the people that we work with, that we live with. And if you go to 1 John, as you know, John 1, 1 John's a letter, John, the Gospel of John chapter 1, you'll see there where it says about the Word was with God in the beginning, and then the Word became flesh, i.e. the Word became Jesus, who lived and walked among us. And what did that Word do? What did God want to say to us? God wanted to say, I want to be with you. I want to sit with you. I want to eat with you. I want to forgive you. I want to bless you. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. He had a few challenging things to say, Jesus, didn't he? But he was always with love and with right motive and so that we would better ourselves and be in right relationship with God. So if you want inspiration in addition to 1 Thessalonians of how to speak as God would want us to speak, I would go to Genesis 1, a creative word, a life-giving word, and I'd go to the start of the Gospel of John and to look at how Jesus lived his life and spoke to others, because that's our pattern. So what words can I leave you with this morning as an encouragement, as you look at this week, at this month, and at this year? Well, one thing I think we all need spoken over us more in this sort of tipsy-turvy, crazy world that we find ourselves in in 2018 is peace. So I would like to leave you, friends, with a word of peace. Peace for our hearts, peace for our minds, peace for our workplaces, peace in our schools, peace in our nation, and peace indeed across the world. So all souls, may the peace of the Lord Jesus go with you, wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. And may your speaking this week be filled with the love of God for yourself and for one another. And may we all speak God's peace wherever we go. Amen.